All right. Well, this feels good, huh? You know, it's funny. Pastors like it big. People like it small. That's what I've heard. So, um, but we are so glad that you are here. Um, my name is Dan DeMay. I'm the senior lead pastor at Shine Church. And um, I, I just want to gloat on you guys for a minute. First off, uh, it was our great honor as a staff to do the starlighting thing um, so that um, not only our community, but so that you guys could come and enjoy uh, the events out there. Now, I realize it was cold, so I just want to know, how many of you actually went out to the starlighting? Okay, look at you, still. Okay, good 40% of you still went out there and braved it. Um, I know I've had some people just said, dude, it was just too cold. Um, and so it was, it was cold. And, uh, but I wanted to recognize Janet and Darren Sesmat, who actually were out there at 10.30 in the morning and stayed till 6.30 at night in that cold. <laughs> Give them a hand. They, um, they have a heart for the community and as a part of the formation team are kind of heading up all the community outreach and those things. Um, and so uh, the starlighting, you know, I've been teaching how we want the body of Christ to, to do all the ministry. When it comes to things like the starlighting where you guys can get involved, it's our great honor as a staff to actually be able to do that. And so our staff rotated through and we did uh, the booth that we had. And I know both Janelle talked about it and Darren talked about giving away $2 bills. Uh, just so you know, we actually had two spinning wheels um, where they could win uh, movie theater style candy or a $2 bill. Now, attached to every box of candy and attached to every $2 bill was information uh, about Shine Church and an invitation to come join us for Christmas Eve. And so we gave out 800 box of candy and we probably gave out $352 bills. And uh, I may be a little bit biased, uh, but I think we had the best booth in all 150 booths that was there. <laughs> We had a line from the time that we opened up until the time that starlit. We were still giving things out while they were still trying to do the festivities for the starlight because people wanted to come and spin the wheel. And it was just a lot of fun, a lot of great conversations, people that would come up and ask us about what, what we were as a church, what we're doing, what our uh, denomination was. And it was just a really good outreach event. And it was just a lot of fun. I've never been there. Um, and I had a blast. My wife asked me last night, she goes, you had fun, didn't you? I was like, yeah, I had a blast. It was so much fun. So thank you for, again, and Darren mentioned it, but thank you for your generosity because uh, your giving actually provided the um, means and the availability to do that. Second thing I want to talk about real quick is um, just to gloat on you. Uh, we had, Darren briefly just mentioned it, the Thanksgiving outreach that's going on today. We had so many volunteers from you guys to step out that we're trying to make it low key. And that's why I'm bringing attention to it. Hmm. Um, I wanted to do that because you guys are responding to these community outreaches and the things we're doing. And I just wanted to say yes, 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 yes. I'm so excited because you guys are doing such an awesome job in helping us do these things. And so thank you. If you're participating in that, thank you so much for, for joining in. For people who brought in food, thank you. Uh, we're going to provide meals for several people that maybe don't have the availability to uh, purchase those meals. Um, for Thanksgiving this year. So that's just, just awesome. So, and I have no doubt those angels are going to fly out of here in, in uh, two minutes right after the service. So thank you for everything that you're doing. Hey, we're in a series uh, on love and Pastor Janelle did an incredible job last weekend. Let's give her a hand. She talked about love 
in action. And two weeks prior to that, or the week prior to that, I actually talked about uh, love and the different definitions of love in the Bible between agape, which is that unmerited, unearned, unconditional love um, that God gave to us and that he's asking us to give one another. And the difference between that and eros, um, storge and phileo love, and I don't have enough time to go into all that, but on our Facebook page, you can listen to that message. If you missed it, would encourage you to do so. Today, what I want to talk about is what is agape love? What, and the Bible actually has a couple sections of scripture where it actually defines it, and I wanted to go into those a little bit um, so that we could have an understanding. If this is what we're supposed to do, if this is how we're supposed to live, if people in this world are going to know us because of how of our agape love flows from us, then what is it? I mean, what exactly do we do as believers to live a life that has that, that love? Next week, we'll conclude this series, and we're going to talk about what love isn't. And we're going to just talk about how um, people in this world are trying to extend love, and it's almost a pendulum swing, and they're forgetting about truth. And we're going to talk a little bit about that next weekend. But I'm going to open up in prayer, ask God to use me. Would you open your hearts and minds to having God speak to you? Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. We thank you so much for what you're doing in this church. We ask that you would um, speak to all of us right now. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, that you would use my words to communicate your heart. And then as I deliver this message, that it would penetrate into the hearts of every person listening. And Lord, I thank you for that in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, um, what I did is I went to a Bible study, and, and if you want to write this in a notebook, because I think this really helps, um, it's called BibleStudyTools.com. And one of the things I'm going to do today, I really felt like the Lord took me in a different direction as I was preparing again. Um, I'm going to actually really try to help you understand how you can study these things out for yourself and how you can go into the Bible and start to pull these things, some of the things that I've been teaching or that Janelle or DJ, um, Rob, Darren, anybody that would come up and teach that you... Uh, we, as a teaching team, wouldn't be the only ones that could pull these things out, that you could do this on your own. And so if you go to Bible Study um, Helps, did I say that right? I gotta make sure I get that right. Bible Study Tools. I just see if anybody was listening. Thank you. <laughs> BibleStudyTools.com. If you go to that website, you can do searches. So for instance, I did a quote unquote, love is search. And it'll show you all the different places where the word, the wording love is, is found in the Bible. And interestingly enough, it is only found in the Bible 11 times, which I thought it would be many more times. And to be quite honest, uh, only four or five even come close to a love is with a definition behind it. For instance, uh, one of the verses actually says uh, to Jesus, they're talking about Lazarus uh, being sick, and it says, the one that you love is sick. Okay, clearly that's not a definition of what love is. It's saying um, the condition of where Lazarus was. And so I look through those scriptures, and there's really, uh, like I said, only four or five that even come close to even helping define what love is for us. And so I want to read two of them real quick to you. The first one is Romans 8, or Romans 13, 8 through 10, and it says this, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Now that love is that agape love again. So it's interesting. Um, we're not to have any debt with one another except for the debt to go, I conditionally love you. I unconditionally, oh, 
Just seeing if you were listening there. That was, I unconditionally love you. That should be the only debt that we have in our heart and in our mind and in our spirit and as we interact with one another. And it goes on, accept the continuing debt to love one another for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command. Man, I love, I love what Paul is writing here. And whatever other command. He's saying, okay, if I didn't just mention the things that you might be hung up on or the things that people are doing in this world, I'm, I'm gonna just cover them all by saying, and whatever other command. Anything, any rule, any regulation, anything that you would think that you have to do to earn God's favor or to be in the right position with God, any of those other commands... It says, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to bring it up again. And that command is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Now, I want to stop briefly because I think we live in a time in a world where uh, people are having a hard time loving themselves. Yes? Okay, real quick, help me out. What are ways that you can um, encourage yourself? Um, how do I want to ask this? Um, what is a way that maybe you help to get this understanding of where you go, you know what, I'm an okay person? Is there anything, any practices that you do that help you to go, I, I like myself? Anybody? Love others? Go into that. Okay, the more you love others, it kind of seeds back and that way reinforces, actually kind of makes you feel better because of something you're doing, right? Okay, I agree in part with you, Jameson, on that, but I think that if we're loving others so that can, we can receive that back, is that really unconditional merit? unmerited love or are we getting something in return for that? And I think it's true, we do get something and it makes us feel better, but what are things that you do so that you can go, I love myself? Doug. Do something for somebody else, okay, because you love them. Very much in line with Jameson. What else? Remind yourself who you are in God. Okay, that's good. What other things can you do? Read your Bible. Absolutely. Why? Because in the word of God, it tells you how he feels about you. And when you understand how he feels, the week one, if you don't understand how God feels about you, how are you going to like yourself? What are other ways? Listen to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit actually is revealing in you who you are in Christ, right? Okay, hey, listen, this is a tough question. And the fact that we're not shooting up hands and, and responding tells me something. Tells me that we're not very good at this. Yes? The truth is we stand at the mirror and we don't like ourselves. We don't feel like we read enough. We don't feel like we pray enough. We don't feel like we physically aren't, aren't good enough. We, um, we have low self-esteem. We listen to the world and we just don't match up and we don't come and live up to the expectation the world has. And church, until we can love ourselves, we cannot love other people. Oh, come on. 
we got to get a hold of this. And I want you to understand that until you get this, man, you're going to have a hard time doing what God has asked, it, asked, it, asked it us to do. I hate myself. I love myself, even despite I can't talk sometimes. Hey, you know what? We have to get that so that we can love others. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. No wonder we're so messed up. No wonder. If we can't love ourselves, then what kind of love are we going to portray out to the world and to others and to our neighbors? Church, we've got to get this. We've got to understand that God loves us so that we can fill ourselves with that, so that it overflows into this world because we cannot love this world until we get a hold of the fact that God loves us. In the middle of worship, I felt so strongly about this to interrupt the song because we have a wrong understanding about God's love for us. When I ask you, do God, do, do, man, what is wrong with me today? I love myself. Listen, I, when I ask the question, does God love you? Man, the first response would be yes, of course. And then that begins to lead you in the right path that begins to set you in a place where you can then go and love others. So we gotta get this, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. And then it defines this a little bit and says, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. So one of the definitions in the Bible of love, of agape love, is that love is, agape is, the fulfillment of the law. Just again, real quickly, if you want to be pleasing to the Lord, grab a hold of his love. Because when you grab a hold of his love, it puts you in a position to fulfill all the commands. That's what this word says right here in Romans. The next one, 1 John 3.16 so John 3, 16, for God so, so God so the world that he gave is his one and only son, right? Here we have 1 John 3, 16, and it says this. This is how we know what love is. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. Ah, oh, man, this is tough. Anybody else struggle with this one? Now, obviously, Jesus Christ died for our sins. I'm not going to go into that. We, most of us already know that. But how can you lay your life down today for a brother or sister? And are you constantly thinking, is it top of mind in your life? Hey, what's a way that I can lay myself down for somebody else today? Man, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I'm selfish when it comes to this. I'm a pastor and I'll get a phone call with somebody that might have to go to the hospital or have something in, and I wish that my first, my first inclination, my first thought would be, oh good, okay, well, I'm gonna be able to minister to this person, I'm gonna go to the hospital and help them out. I, I wish that that was the first thought that came into my mind. But do you know, in my selfishness, my human nature, you know what the first thought is? Oh man. It's the flesh, and it's the battle between the flesh and the spirit, and I want you to know, listen, listen, I want to know when you go to the hospital, please. Don't let that be hesitation at any point. I want to know. We want to minister to you, but I want you to understand that I'm a human being just like you are, and I think that we probably all struggle with these things where when somebody has something, we've been teaching, we've been teaching from this pulpit that in order to live life together with one another, one of the things you have to do is ask for help. 
And so when somebody asks you for help, what's that first thought that you have? What's, okay. We need to understand that Jesus laid his life down. And when we get that, it helps us to understand, you know what, I'll lay my life down for somebody else. Okay, so that was another one in that study. Uh, But the one that I want to focus on today is 1 Corinthians 13, which is known as the? The love chapter. Now, before I read this chapter, I want you to understand um, where the church of Corinth uh, was, was at. Um, from 900 BC to about 150, 140 BC, um, Corinth was uh, a city of Greece, all right? And then the Romans came and they actually conquered it. They actually destroyed it. And Julius Caesar, in the year about 44 BC, rebuilt the city of Corinth. Now, it was an important city in regards to trade. It was right on Uh, a port where people would come and use the ocean to get, drop their goods, and then it would go into the little island that was right there around Corinth. Now, um, the people there were very wealthy. At this point now, when Jesus, um, in Jesus' time, in Paul's time, actually, uh, after Jesus died, when Paul was going on in missionary journeys, um, it was, uh, it had Greeks in it, There were Romans in the city, and there were Jews, and most of them were highly affluent, okay? One of the things, now they didn't have TV and movies and all the things that we have to entertain. One of the things that they would do is that they would actually gather around in coliseums and different venues, and they would have people get up and speak. Speak what they believed, speak what they thought about, and they were just, um, they were really good um, at, at, at communicating kind of what they believed and they would try to convince the people listening what they believed, okay? And if you read through the, the book of Corinthians, you'll actually see Paul saying, I did not come with um, real f- fabulous words, as my paraphrase. I didn't come with real, a lot of flash. Why was he saying that? Because the city of Corinth was used to the flash and the people coming in and speaking all these things. It was a city that was very worldly, okay? Um, They uh, participated in all kinds of sexual immorality. Uh, They went wherever the money went. Um, They were liars. They were thieves. They would do whatever they could do for their own interest. And in the middle of this, Paul comes in and gets believers to start believing about Jesus Christ, starts the church, and as Paul would do, he would start the church, and then he would move on, and the church would do their best to live in that. But the church in Corinth, what happened was um, they started to move back over into the worldly mindset, even though they were walking with Christ. Okay, so that's the picture of the letter to the Corinthians. And I found this quote, I thought this was really good, which summed up where the church was. A quick summary of this new church plant was that they were debaucherous and immoral. Infighting was common. They were quick to sue one another. They also entertained false teachings and lacked spiritual maturity and were being jealous over each other's spiritual gifts. That's what was happening in the church. Let me read that again. They were debaucherous and immoral. Infighting was common, and they were quick to sue each other. They also entertained false teachings and lacked spiritual maturity and were being zealous over 
each other's spiritual gifts. Now, that's the context of the letter to the church of Corinth that Paul is writing. And in chapter 12, he says now about spiritual gifts. And so he's talking about spiritual gifts because the church in Corinth were abusing the spiritual gifts. What were they abusing them for? They were abusing them for power. They wanted to have the high place in people's mindset so that instead of focusing on the gift giver, they focused on the gift and they were abusing and using the gifts. And at the end of chapter 12, it actually says, hey, listen, I want you to eagerly desire the gifts. But then he starts, but I want to show you a better way. And then he starts this section in 1 Corinthians and it says this. Actually, if you got your Bible, you can follow along, pull that out, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says this. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Now I want you to understand that love, just to make sure we're on the same page, that love is agape love. Unmerited, unselfish, unconditional, unmotivated love. Okay? It says, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Now church, just real quick. I'm not saying that we live in a time where our church resembles the church in Corinth. But we could be close. Debaucherous, immoral, infighting, suing one another, longing for somebody else's gift. If we're not there, we're headed that way. Unless we understand what this true agape love is. And what he is saying is, man, you can go after all of the good things. You can try to do everything that you think is right to be a good member of a body of Christ. But if you don't have the understanding that God loves you so that you can pour that out onto other people, then you're going to miss the mark. And you're going to make a bunch of noise, but it's not going to be noise that he enjoys. I, the, the words he uses there, the clanging symbol The fact that I am nothing, I gain nothing. I mean, he, he's trying to help us understand, man, we've got to grab hold of this. And then it goes on to define what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not dishonoring of others or rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it relieves, rejoices with the truth it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part will disappear. Then it says something very interesting here. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in the mirror. Then we will see, see face to face. 
Now I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Okay. First, right after this, the very next verse in chapter 14 says this, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts. Okay, so he was talking about spiritual gifts and he goes again into in chapter 14 talking about the spiritual gifts that he wants us to be functioning and operating in as a body of Christ. But right smack dab in the middle is this love chapter. I, love to, I like to call it the love sandwich. You have spiritual gifts as the bread, spiritual gifts, and love in between. Because what he's trying to help us understand is we have gifts. We've been talking about that. We have gifts that he wants to use. But if we don't operate in this love, then none of it is for, good for anything. Okay, so that's the context of, of why he's writing this chapter. The outcome, this is what I found just really incredible. And uh, Pastor Rob actually helped me with this in the teaching team. It says in verse 11, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Okay, I'm gonna need your help for here. In the middle of the love, love chapter, why does he put that verse in there? When I was a child, I thought like a child, and now I put the childish ways behind me. Why would he put that in the love chapter? Yes, Craig? Children are selfish. There's no amen on that. <laughs> Have you ever had to teach uh, a kid to take somebody else's toy? Or was that just something they learned just all by just the human nature fallen world? I don't think you ever as a parent have to teach them how to take something away. You are, spend most of your effort trying to teach them how to you know, share, love, be a part of life together, yes? So absolutely, okay, I love that because children are selfish. What's, what's another reason do you think Paul put that in the love chapter? Yes? Maturity, Mature, maturity what do you mean? Okay, so children haven't quite come into the maturity, and as we grow older, we mature, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I, I think that verse that Jesus said, unless you enter the kingdom like a little child, you're like, I'm still a kid. Because you know what? When it comes to love, we sure act like kids. Yeah? Are you guys okay with that statement? Man, we live in a world where that's the response. Any other idea or thought that comes? Yes. Because he wants us to grow up into God's kind of love. Do you think Paul found himself in a position where maybe he grew up into God's kind of love? I think so, and I think that could be one of the reasons why he put this in here. I always thought it was really interesting, but man, Rob brought that light out, and I thought, man, that's very interesting. Somebody had their hand over here? Yeah, Melanie. Because that's what they needed. Because in the context of even the letter to the Corinthian church, that's what those kids needed. 
Yeah? They needed an understanding of this. That's good. I love that. Yeah. Kids don't fully understand love so that they can't really truly give it in the way that kind of God gave it, right? And so I think Paul's trying to help us understand that so that we can move beyond that childhood. Oh, listen, all of these responses are incredible. And it is actually why Paul wrote this in here. At least I think it is. What do you guys think? I think what Paul is trying to help us understand is, hey, let's move away from the childish ways of being selfish. Let's move away from phileo love. Let's move away from eros love. Let's move away from storge love and let's enter into agape love. Man, this is good. We gotta grab a hold of this. And again, it comes back to the only way to do this is to receive the Father's love. You said something very interesting. A kid doesn't fully understand that unconditional love, do they? They might receive it and love it, but you know what? It wasn't until my kids were in their teenagers, and even now, um, sometimes my kids will come up to me and go, oh my gosh, Dad, you and Mom did so much for us, we didn't even have a clue. That's because a kid doesn't know. They didn't even have a clue. Church, listen to this. Do you know what God has done for you? Do you really comprehend? Do you really understand? Again, we live in a world where we feel like, well, man, if I just live a good life, and I, you know, I'd lived a pretty good life even before I asked Jesus into my heart. And so, um, you know, those who have been saved from little understand little. But the word of God says that the wages of sin is death. You have been saved from death. And when you comprehend that, guess what? When you begin to understand you've been saved from death and God's love has come into you so that you can then give that out. If you understand you've been saved from death, all of a sudden then you grow up, don't you? And so I want you to understand, as Paul's writing this, he doesn't only want to us to understand the definition of what love is, but he wants us to understand that we're not going to grow up to be the mature believers that we're supposed to be until we get this and give it. My heart is that this would challenge you. Challenge you first to start believing what God thinks about you to pull in the fact that you're his son, you're his daughter, and he's proud of you. Well, yeah, but you don't know what I've done, Pastor Dan. I, I know, but God still loves you. He's still as madly and passionately and crazy in love with you. And until we get this, we can't give that out. And until we give this out, we can't really mature in our faith. It's what I believe God was showing me as I was studying this. And I hope it's a challenging word, but I hope it's a life-giving word because here's the truth. It's not about what we do. It's solely about pulling in what God did for us and then going and being so excited about that that it overflows into other people's lives and into their worlds. And so here's how I want to finish the message. Um, I want to kind of go through um, what it says 
uh, about love. And I have a slide. Instead of kind of reading through the scriptures, I actually found a, a really cool illustration. If you could pull the love is uh, picture up there. Um, I have put cards in the foyer out in, uh, at the hub, and I would like you to take one of these cards home with you. Um, but here are the 16 things that love is. And as I was studying and my original thoughts uh, were to start breaking this apart and actually kind of start teaching on these things, and I quickly realized, um, yeah, this is a series, not a 10-minute um, discussion in, in a message. And so I want you to look at these things. Love is patient, it's kind, does not envy, does not boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not selfish, it's not easily angered, keeps no records of wrongs, it does not delight in evil, it rejoices in truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and it never fails. Now, I have been taught in, uh, in the past that if you change the word love and put your name there, you'll know how you're doing. Dan is patient. Um, okay. <laughs> Dan is kind most days. Dan does not envy unless it's something he wants. Dan does not boast. <laughs> Try not to. And you just put your name and start asking how, you, how you're doing on that. And it kind of gives you a quick litmus test of where you are in regards to fulfilling these things. Um, and I thought about kind of going around the room and starting to ask about these things. Um, but I really felt like the Lord changed the course with the um, conversation that I had with the teaching team. Um, and then an experience that my wife had with this section of scripture. Um, and, and that was this. A couple years ago, she was challenged to actually read through this section of scripture where it defines what love is. And um, she started to break apart each one of the, the words. And she, in her study, you took a, did you take a week? With, was it a week each word? Okay. So she took a week with each word. So it's a 16 week, it's a quarter of a year study. She took one week with each word. And all she did was she read it in the word, and then she uh, looked it up in the dictionary. Is that pretty much all you did? And then just brought the focus to the Lord and just said, God, teach me something about this particular word, whether it's patience or kindness. And I, I remember that time because she kept coming up to me through the weeks and she'd go, oh my gosh, I found something else about kindness today. And, uh, and she would just lay it out and she would talk to me for like 15, 20 minutes about, about kindness. And I, uh, it sometimes was rude. Because I was like, I don't, that's great for you. But, it, you know, have you ever had that where somebody's like just going on and I was like, yeah, that's good for you. But I, I and that's where the, you know, the selfishness comes out and all that. But it was great because she was just getting downloaded from God on each one of these, these words. And so here's how I want to finish. I actually, instead of trying to break these apart, I'm going to challenge you and hopefully help you to break these things apart. I actually put in my notes this, as we head into Thanksgiving and Christmas, <laughs> put your name on that thing and get ready for Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? <laughs> Chuckles, because we know. <laughs> Man, 
When's the number one time you have to deal with family? Thanksgiving or Christmas. When is the number one time that, man, you want to be rude and impatient and self, man, it, family brings out the best of us, huh? And the worst. As we head into Thanksgiving and Christmas, I can't think of a better time to work through the applications of love. Look up the definition. Ask God to speak to you about the characteristic. Think of someone who has that character and let them know that you see that in them. And so here's what I would like you to do. Again, I put those cards at the hub and in the foyer. I would like you, there's 16 of them. If you took two days on each word, you would get through all 16 before Christmas. Two days on each word. If it were me, now, I understand some of you have probably a pretty good discipline for study, and I get that. And so you do this on your own and study it out how you would do it. But there are several people in this room that when I say study it out, they just don't know what to do. And so I thought I would take a little time and just say, hey, listen, this is how I do it, and maybe it's a place that you can start. So if you go to, um, there's a website called biblehub.com. If you guys want to pull up that slide, I'm going to show you what it looks like and try to help you to understand kind of how to go through this. Is this okay? It's really practical, more of a practical thing, but I think it could be very helpful so that people could get into this. So this is the Bible, no, uh, yeah, the very first one. There you go. This is what it's going to look like. It's biblehub.com. In that search bar up there, you can actually type in 1 Corinthians 13 and it'll bring up the whole chapter. Or you can bring up just one verse. And if you bring up the verse, it'll just bring up the one verse. Now, this is the chapter that we just read through. And in this particular illustration, what I did is I clicked on, you see the little, I don't know if you can see them real good, but every verse has a little number, one, two, three, four, obviously, and they're highlighted blue. And so I just clicked on the number four uh, where it starts, love is patient, love is kind. So that's the next slide. I clicked on number four, and there it is. It brings up 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Now here's what's cool about this screen, is on this screen, it actually takes several different Bible translations and shows you what those translations say. Now Janelle talked last week and said she was a translation geek. Guess what? You can be too. By checking this out, by simply clicking on that verse, and there's more. I mean, this, I just did a screenshot, but if you just keep scrolling up, I mean, there's all kinds of different translations. New American Standard, the Amplified, the New Living, the uh, English Standard, the Holman Christian uh, Study Bible. There, it just keeps going on and on in regards to different translations that you have. Now, when you're looking at this, so for in, instance, for this study that I'm hoping that you guys will be challenged to do in the next 32 days, um, it says this, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, it does not boast. That's the first verse, New International Version. If you click up near the top where you see the word Greek, if you click on the word Greek, you will get this next slide. What is that? This is where some people go, okay, man, this is getting a little crazy. What this simply is, is it actually shows you what the Greek word is that was translated into each section of that verse. And so I know it's kind of hard to read, but the third column over there is the English, and it doesn't read real smooth because it goes to the format of how the Greek was written. And then they put the English words in to correspond to that. But in this particular example, the second one down, it says, love is patient, 
And then it says, is kind. The where it says, is patient, over on the left side is, you'll see some numbers. That is just the numbers that refer to the Greek word, actually. And so you don't need to know that. You don't need to pay much attention to that. But if you actually click on that number that's corresponding to patience, go ahead, next slide, it's actually going to give you the definition of patience that goes beyond what we translate as patience. Now remember, in the Greek, there were four different words that we translate as love in English. And it's important to understand the different different words. And this is why it's important for you as you're studying these things out, because you can look up patience, and then you'll see here definition, to persevere, to be patient. And then it goes on and expands it a little bit, and it says, I suffer long. Have patience and forbearing, perseverance. And then below on this, if you keep scrolling down, it actually is going to have kind of more of a definition, more of write-up, and uh, maybe some other Bible references to go to. Now, why is this important? Because first off, when you think of the word patience, well, let me just ask real quick. When you think of the word patience, what comes to mind? Endurance, okay. Long suffering. Well, you just read that. No, that's what comes to mind. I, it's funny because we have, you what? You have nine children. <laughs> Fair enough. I totally believe you on that. Absolutely. Um, and so here's, 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 here's what I want you to understand. We have a perception of what a word means just by what we take in. And so when you click on that Greek word and get the expanded definition of what that means, it can open your eyes to different possibilities of what it could be that you never even thought of. And so when you're doing a study and you're taking the two days to work on patience, maybe you never thought of it from the term of long suffering. Because all of a sudden that stirs in all kinds of thoughts in my mind. Long suffering. And, you know, different Bible verses might actually come into your head. Like in Romans where it says, hey, uh, in, consider the suffering because it develops perseverance, which develops character, which develops hope. And all of a sudden you begin to realize, wow, if I get this thing on patience, it's going to help me to actually have an understanding of what hope is. I, and God and the Holy Spirit is going to take you into so many different places as you begin to just study this out. So this is one way, BibleHub.com. Um, and if you need to get that information again from me, just send me an email. I'll be glad to give that to you. Um, but I want you to, um, I hope, my, my prayer is that this will stir in you a desire. Hey, you know what? I need to break this part down. Because in order to truly love the way that God wants us to love, we need to actually take the time to seek it out. Yes? I mean, if this is the thing... I'll close with this. If this is the thing in which all of the commandments are bound up in, is loving this way, how important is it that we, com- um, how important is it that we get it <laughs> if we comprehend what that love truly is? And so I hope that you will, again, take this challenge and enter into it in the next 32 32- 32 days. Okay? So that's it. I'm going to pray.
and we'll get out of here. Um, we are going to have prayer teams from now on up in the front. And obviously, with more of a practical message, I don't have any specific directions that you might need prayer for. But if there's something going on in your life, if there's a struggle that you're facing, if you've got something coming up this week that you need strength for, or you need wisdom or direction for, I would encourage you, um, come up to these prayer teams and get prayer because we want to stand beside you and we want to support you and be praying for you. Um, and so uh, we'll have that available to you uh, once we dismiss. So Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for the word that you've given to us. God, I thank you for just uh, more of a practical message that you've given to us. And God, I pray that every person um, in here would just have the challenge from you to get to know what love is in a deeper meaning and in a deeper way. And so, Lord, I pray that you would uh, speak into the hearts of every person as they open their Bibles, as they go into study, whether it's maybe even just getting a definition from uh, like a Webster's uh, dictionary or just dictionary.com. God, if, if you could give them insight just from that or going into the Greek words and doing a little deeper study. God, I pray that as we focus on each one of these things that make up what love is, God, as we focus these things, I pray that you would put it into our lives. Help us to see where you've been patient to us. Help us to see where you've been kind to us. Help us to understand the way that you love us so that we can comprehend that more and push that out into the world and to the people around us. And God, we thank you for that. We thank you that you are a practical God and that you want to help us in this. And we pray that your spirit would lead and direct us. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. You guys have a wonderful day, a wonderful rest of your weekend, and have an amazing Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.